0: Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is January 25th, 2023. We will be continuing our series, Words for Life. And today's word is shine. Shine. Now, I know after last week, our word was testified, and so tonight, you might be thinking, Shine, oh, you're going to continue this message of sharing your light. But we're going to go in a little bit different direction, and I want us to examine these questions. Are we being more impatient when waiting for something, are we more expectantly hopeful or something. Do we try to hide in the dark corners of our lives from others? Do we try to hide those dark corners of our lives from the Lord? Do we allow God to shine His light into our dark lives? Yes, prophetically, when we think about that word shine, we're going to speak that I believe God wants to shine His light into into us so this is about receiving the truth from god into our lives into the corners of our lives and so are we expectantly hopeful that god is going to change us can change our lives are we impatient are we going where are you god and are we just tapping our foot and thinking that god is the one that's defective and if he would just do x x and x that we would just be fine Today we're going to be looking at three scripture passages. Isaiah chapter 9 verses 1 through 4 is where we begin. It says, Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan and Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness have seen a gray light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased his joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. We begin there with Isaiah. Of course, these scriptures were taken out of the uh, lectionary reading of the year. This is a historic document that has reading sections for uh, the worship Sundays throughout the church year, and churches would read those all together no matter where they were. And we're using this traditional source, traditional material, but we're speaking prophetically. We're looking at these and we're saying, Lord, Speak to us. And that's what prophetically means when the Lord is speaking to us directly. We're asking him to speak to us directly from the scriptures. And so today we look at Isaiah and you know, this was a prophecy that looks both forwards and backwards. You see, it's recalling, this is the backwards portion. It's recalling God's deliverance from the Midianites with Gideon. Where do you get all that? Well, I can't go into a big theological discussion and a Bible study about that because that's not what this program is about. That's not what we're trying to do. But we with the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the oppression that the people are under, and when it, even at the end, as in the days of Midian. It was the Midianites who were oppressing uh, Israel, and God ro- rose up Gideon out of the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, And so this portion of that prophecy is looking back. But Isaiah was after Gideon. This is long after this. So you can't prophesy about something that happened in the past. What's that about? Well, it's a prophecy that's looking forward. You see, just as God prophesied and rose up Gideon to deliver Israel from the Midianites, they were oppressed. They were enslaved and in hiding and they were cowards. See, what most people don't realize is that Gideon was a coward. He was hiding in a cave when God found him. And the angel came and stood before him and called him a mighty warrior. See, that's just the opposite of what Gideon was. He was not a mighty warrior. But yet God said, you're a mighty warrior. And he became one. He defeated armies of thousands with just a few hundred men. And he became a man, a mighty warrior uh, of bravery. But that's not what he was when God's light shined upon him. And in this prophecy, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them light has shined. And of course, he gets into a Messianic prophecy, especially when it says in Galilee of the Gentiles, because that's where Jesus began his ministry, was in Galilee of the Gentiles. And yes, he went to Peter and Andrew, James and John, they were Jews, but they were living in Galilee and Galilee was a Gentile area. And so, they were Jews living with Gentiles. And so to say that they were fishermen and that the only issues they had with Jesus was their their mouths was something different. When Peter saw Jesus and he said, Lord, depart from me, I'm an unclean man. He was a Jew living amongst Gentiles. And that is extremely unclean. He's unworthy. He's not fit to be with the Jewish people. And yet Jesus finds him in this land and he shines his light on upon him. He changes him. He changes Andrew. He changes James and John. But what about us? Are we anticipating? Are we excited? Do we believe that God is on the move for us? You know, the presence of God is powerful. It is such a contrast to this dark world. Can we trust God's going to be a light to us? You know, just like Jesus walked into Galilee, Of the Gentiles, do you understand that he's, quote, walking to you? He's coming to meet us. He's not waiting for us to pick up and and clean up our lives and, 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 and live the way we should. He's coming to us, you and I, as we are, because he wants to deliver us. He wants to bring salvation to us. He wants to transform our lives. Now let's let's continue. I want to look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 25. It says, Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulon and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for there were fishermen. And then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. In the boat was Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases from among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, And they brought to him all the sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. You know, when God's light shines, when you're living in that shadow of death, when you're living in darkness, And God shines his light into you. Deliverance occurs. Deliverance happens because God's reign, God's kingdom is now at hand. And the reign of God, the kingdom of God, it demands something from us. It demands repentance and obedience. See, Jesus, he enters this land of the Gentiles, Galilee of the Gentiles, and he he goes to Peter, he goes to some Jews, Andrew, Peter, James, John. He, he, he goes to them and he begins and notice it says that from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, what, it's okay. I love you. You can identify as you want and live your lives as you want. No, Jesus says, repent for the kingdom is at hand. He doesn't enable us to live as victims. He doesn't enable us to live in sin. He doesn't enable us to continue living in darkness and death. He comes and he says, repent. The kingdom, the rule of God is at hand. The kingdom, the rule of God means that there's a, there's something, there's a new set of laws in town. There's a new way of living. And if you want to live in it, you have to follow it. And to follow means you have to obey it. And he says, repent, which is to what? Change your course of action. Change your course of action and follow the rules of the kingdom. Follow the laws of the kingdom. Now, when I say laws and things, we have such negative concepts of that, like, oh, he's going to beat me up. It's a new game. It's a new game. If you like sports, it's like you're playing tennis, And then all of a sudden someone comes to you and says, you you like, you like tennis? What about, what about soccer? What about football? I'll pay you $20 million to drop that tennis racket and come play football, come play soccer. If someone said that to you, wow, $20 million, I'm not even a good soccer player, but for that, I'll go play it. But do you grab and feel beat up because suddenly the rules change? You can't take your racket. You can't take your ball and you can't stay on that court and you can't wear your little tennis shoes and your little tennis shorts and your little tennis shirt anymore. You have to put on a different uniform. You have to play with a different ball. You have to play on a different field. The way you score points is different. It's American football. You're putting on a helmet and pads. You see, the rules change. And how you view the rules—if you believe the rules are going to beat you up and spit you out—is because you have, you're not wanting to play the game. You're wanting to play something different, and therefore you don't like the rules. But if you get excited, I see. If you're—I'm talking sports now. But if you're a sports fan, we we have the NFL playoffs. If if you like that, you understand there are rules that you have to follow, and you don't like it when your team gets penalized for breaking a rule. But you are extremely happy when that ref. F- throws the flag, and it's in favor of your team because someone else broke a rule. See, we want to watch a game where no one breaks any rules or no penalties. You're playing the game fairly, and it's exciting, and it's fun. As a kid, when you play games, you you want the other people you're playing with to play fairly. But we have to be willing to play fairly and play by, quote, the rules. It's the same way with the kingdom. We're in darkness, we're in death, and Jesus comes down and says... It says, do you want life? Then quit living like death and live like you're in life. And that's part of what repentance is. We have to change. And you see, he—he, he, this is what he's preaching. Repent. Here's the kingdom. And he said that to Peter. He said, I'll, I'll make you fishers of men. I'm going to change your game. You're not going to fish here for fish. I'm giving you something bigger and better with more purpose to do. He he changed those things. When he called out to James and John, it says what they immediately left their nets. They left. That's their jobs. That's their livelihood. That's their security. You see, the call when God calls us is not for the tentative and indecisive. And then the tentative is the type that you're you're sort of scared and worried. Well, I don't know. Should I? I'm not sure. Uh. I'm sort of scared. I don't, I don't want to leave my comfort zone. See, that's, if you're that way, how can you enter the kingdom? The kingdom is about someone that make, you make a decision. I'm going to follow Jesus. Not well. I'm not sure. See, if you're not sure about following God, you're not following God. You must be, the follow the Lord calls for bravery. You have to be willing to admit where you're at and change. You have to be willing to make that decision to follow him. You have to do that. Because why? Because to follow Jesus, it necessitates wholehearted allegiance. And sometimes it means that you have to sever old relationships and securities. If you're going to follow Jesus, sometimes you have to let go of things that you feel safe and secure in. Peter, James, John, they, they left their homes, their jobs. There's security for Jesus. Why? Because his light shined on them and he said he had something better. He has something better. He has eternal life. He has something better. Let's continue on 1 Corinthians chapter one, verses ten through eighteen. It says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, that those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say that, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Paul. I thank God I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. lest least anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with words of wisdom, lest a cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, you see, obedience, walking with Jesus, walking in his light, it brings changes. It brings results. Disobedience, its results are seen. In this passage here, Paul is pleading, and he's talking again to believers, and he says, I see that there are divisions, contentions among you. See, when you don't walk in obedience, that disobedience manifests. And since I'm talking to believers here, when believers, when we don't walk in obedience, that, that sin, that disobedience, it will manifest in us. And how does that manifest? It manifests, well, here it's manifesting in contentions and divisions and arguments. And don't we see that today in much of the church? Many believers, contentions and divisions. Where are those divisions? Where are those arguments? Well, they're in usually in lines of religious actions. Religious works. Here, Paul's like those divisions, they're saying, Well, I'm a Paul, I'm a Vapolis, I'm a Cephas. Today's like I'm a Baptist, I'm a Presbyterian, I'm a Pentecostal. I'm this, I'm that. And then he goes, Were you baptized in the name of Paul? And then he goes into, well, I baptized a few people. Paul did baptize some, but that wasn't his main point. And you see, what is baptism? Well, it's a religious activity. Is baptism bad? No, I'm not talking about whether we can or cannot baptize. That's not what Paul was saying. But you see, they've taken a religious activity, and they've now turned it into a source of division and contention. We're going to take a slight difference in how we religiously do something, That's not necessarily about my relationship with Jesus or how to be saved or walking in the kingdom. And we're going to make it a division. And that's what disobedience does. It takes our religious actions. And you see, that comes because, again, we're trying to hide. We don't want God's light in certain corners of our lives because it it requires change. It requires that we follow Jesus in a way that we're uncomfortable. We're leaving something secure behind something that we like that we don't want to leave. And so we use our religious activities as an excuse while we are fine where we are at. And we divide other brethren, brethren, excuse me, other believers. See, deliverance comes not by our works and not by our actions. Deliverance comes by God's power it's the power of God that saves us it's the power of God that delivers us and and changes us and when we share the gospel when we share the word of God you have to understand it's not our words it's God's words it's God's doing that changes us that produces salvation see and that's why it looks foolish to the world It looks foolish to those who are perishing because it looks like we're just talking, but we're not. We're, we're sharing the light of God. And when that light shines, you have two choices. You can either receive that light, which calls for repentance. I have to change my ways and I have to follow Jesus and following Jesus means I, I obey what he's telling me. I know sometimes we think following Jesus means I just love Jesus and I'm singing and I'm getting fuzzy feelings. And, it's true, I may get fuzzy feelings, and I can love Jesus, but to follow him means I have to obey him. When he says, follow me, I have to follow him. That's obedience. When Jesus says, love me, to love him is obedience. When he says, stop doing that, it's obedience to stop doing that. When Jesus says, stop living in death, stop speaking death, start, stop living in garbage, to stop it. And follow him into the light and what he has. You see, the world, when you get that, they think that changing that sort of lifestyle is foolishness. It's foolish to respond to the light shining in the darkness. But to those of us that have done this, it's the power of God It is now saving us. It's transforming us. It's doing new and revitalizing things in our lives because he's alive and he's active. So I ask you, do you trust him? Do you have the courage to follow him? You know, and courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is having faith to do what you're afraid to do. I often wonder if I was Peter and I was in that boat or I was James and John and God told me to leave it, could I do it? Most of us, God will not ask us to come and leave our jobs. He's not going to physically come down and say, leave your job to follow me or you can't be saved. He's not going to do that for most of us. But I, I wouldn't be honest if I didn't say that. That this still doesn't happen. I know people that are working very ungodly jobs. Things that is, is abhorrently in sin and enable sin. And when Jesus comes and changes their life, it's scary. It can be scary because you suddenly, you're, you're following Jesus. You go, thank, thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. And then you look at your job and you realize, I can't follow Jesus and stay in this job. That's scary. Do you trust him? Do you trust him to be Jehovah Jireh? Your provider do you, do you do you trust Jesus to provide for you in those moments? do you have the courage to rise up and say, "I will trust my God that He won't leave me a beggar that if I follow him, He can provide me with something new he can He can provide me with new friends that will help me walk with him. I know so many people, and you think this is a kid thing with teenagers or kids or young students and college students, but I've seen it with adults that are so afraid of losing the few friends that they have. And the friends that they have really aren't their friends because they're only there for their sin. Are you brave enough to believe that if you make Jesus your friend, He will provide you with anything you need, including an earthly friend? Do you believe He has the power to change you and provide for you? See, if so, we understand when it says that people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, light has shined on them. When you're living in death, you see no way out. There is no hope. But when the light shines upon you, there's suddenly hope. There's suddenly a way where there was no way because he has made that way. and He's made that way for you and I. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your light is shining upon us, God. Father, I pray that those who would listen to this, God, would feel the warmth of your light shining in their life, Lord. That, Father, things that you've called them to do, that they've been maybe afraid, tentative, indecisive. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you'd help them to be bold, that you would encourage them, God, to trust you, to step out into you, God. that That, Lord, your word never fails and that you are faithful even if we are faithless that God you will always be there for us God and that you have the power to free us to transform us to provide for us to take care of us God I pray right now in Jesus name that you bring deliverance and freedom that Lord that we would walk in your kingdom and in your ways God because Lord what you have for us is so much better than this valley of the shadow of death God you've called us into a heavenly life and lifestyle God and Lord we thank you for that thank you for your freedom and offer thank you for shining on us in Jesus name Amen we thank you for listening to our series Words for Life we hope that this is encouraging to you, you can check out Other messages in this series, other words, other teachings, you can get those and other podcasts on our website, www.christianimpact.net. And until next time, God bless.